This is the Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast brought to you by Art Wiederman, CPA with Ide Bailey. Whether it's taxes and investing or planning wisely, Art is the expert to make your dental practice profitable. At Ide Bailey, what inspires you inspires us. We provide a suite of accounting and advisory services dedicated to the total care of your practice. Visit our website to access our tools and resources tailored for dentists, idebailey.com slash dentist. That's E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com slash dentist. This podcast is distributed with the understanding that Art Wiederman, CPA, and Ide Bailey, LLP are not rendering legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Listeners should consult with their business advisors before acting on any of the information or opinions shared. If you have questions and or feedback, make sure to email Art over at awiederman at idebailey.com. That's A-W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com. You can also give Art a call at 657-279-3243. Without further delay, here's your host, Dental CPA Art Wiederman. And hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman CPA. I'm your host, Art Wiederman. Welcome to my podcast. We are in the middle of our fifth year of doing this. I, I can't believe it. It's, I remember the first one I did uh, was with my dear friend, the president of our Academy of Dental CPAs, uh, Alan Schiff, back in, God, I, let's see, it's numbers. I'm supposed to be able to do numbers. We're in 2023. It was at the end of 2018 we did this, I think it was. And boy, it's been fun. And I've gotten to hang out with a lot of the friends I've made in the 40 years of uh, being a dental CPA. And I will get to do that again on this broadcast. Uh, my good friend, who is one of the top dental coaches and consultants in the country, Bob Spiel. Uh, Bob and I are going to have a conversation today about something that's near and dear to his heart. Uh, and it's about bringing on an associate dentist. I mean, how many of you in your practice, and I hope it's more than less, how many of you are just doing really well? You're getting lots of new patients. You're busier than you've ever been. Uh, I think uh, I read a statistic last week uh, that the ADA said that 87% of practices are booked out more than two or three weeks. Dentists are doing well. People are spending money. And now you get to the point and you say, well, geez, you know, maybe I need some help. Maybe I need to hire an associate dentist. Maybe I want a partner. What's my exit strategy? So we're going to talk about all that with Bob. Uh, Bob and his company, Dental Partner Pros, um, that's what they do. And we're going to get deep into that topic in a couple minutes. I love talking to Bob. And Bob and I have worked together on some common clients for years and years and years. And I have the greatest respect for what he does and what he teaches. So you're going to learn a lot today. But first, let me get to some business. Uh, I want to thank, as I always do, our wonderful, wonderful partner, Decisions in Dentistry Magazine. Uh, got the privilege and the honor a couple of weeks ago. We're in the recording this podcast in about uh, the first week of June. So a couple of weeks ago, we had the California Dental Association Convention, which is one of my favorite two or three days of the year because I get to speak every year at the convention and I get to you know meet lots of people, see all my friends and stuff like that. And one of my dear, dear friends that I saw was Lorraine Kent, who's the uh, publisher of Decisions in Dentistry Magazine, which is a fabulous, fabulous magazine. It's a clinical magazine, and I'm working with Lorraine and her team to bring a business side to uh, this magazine. So if you have not been familiarized, that's a big word for me on a uh, Thursday afternoon, familiarized. If you have not been familiarized with Decisions in Dentistry Magazine, go to www.decisionsindentistry.com where you can purchase uh, up to 140 continuing education courses at a very, very reasonable price. And they have articles that are second to none in clinical dentistry. And we're bringing, we're bringing the business side of dentistry. And so watch what they're doing in the next uh, several months and years to come. And we're going to be doing some really cool stuff with Decisions in Dentistry magazine. Uh, I am a proud dental division director at the CPA firm of Eide Bailey. That's E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y. And I love being at Eide Bailey. We have more resources than you can shake a stick at. 
Uh, I mean, imagine if you, uh, general dentist, and you had a periodontist, an orthodontist, an endodontist, a pedodontist, a prosthodontist, an oral surgeon, a TMJ specialist at your disposal for any kind of problem, like within one phone call. Well, many of you might have that, but uh, in the CPA world, we've got, you know, we've got like 200 verticals of what this firm does. It's really fun. It's like being a kid in the candy store. If you are not working with a dental CPA, we work with about a thousand dentists in the Western United States. Um, you can either call me at 657-279-3243, or you can email me at awiederman at idbailey.com. That's E-I-D-B-A-I-L-L-Y.com. And we'll be happy to help you. Uh, if I don't know the answer to your question, I know where to get the answer. And that's why I got friends like Bob Spiel who have answers that I don't have. So before I get to Bob, I got a great story. You know, I, I like to tell, you know, you guys have heard stories about me and my wonderful wife of 38 years, Lynn, and my two boys, Nathan and Forrest. And so, uh, but I, I had a really fun experience. And if any of you are golfers, you'll, you'll love this story. I am a, I have three happy places and I've told you guys this before. One is on a golf course, two is on a fly fishing stream which I will be at the end of June in Montana. And the third is doing what I'm doing right now uh, or speaking in front of a group. So I was in my first happy place on a golf course. And many of you might remember back in May, um, a gentleman by the name of Michael Block, who is the head professional golf pro, the head golf pro at Arroyo Tribuco Golf Club in uh, Mission Viejo, California, Tribuco Canyon. I don't know which city they call it these days. Uh, he went and played in the PGA Championship. He was at even par. He was in the top 15. And playing with Rory McIlroy in the final round, he, uh, for those of you that are not golfers, he jarred uh, a seven iron 150 yards on the 15th hole for a hole in one. Jarred means it went straight into the hole, did not bounce on the green. Um, he became an instant legend. And he is the nicest guy on the planet. So he has inspired me to continue to work on my golf game. I'm about an 18 handicap. So I get to Arroyo Tribuco on Tuesday. And what happens? Uh, I go in to pay for my golf round. I turn around and there's Michael Block sitting in his office. So I said, walked in. I said, may I be the 10,000th person to uh, congratulate you on what you did. Uh, I was in tears watching you. Uh, which I was, I was really, really excited. I love stuff like this. Um, and uh, I want to tell you that you have really encouraged me to work on my golf game. I'm taking lessons every week. I take them at Golf Tech uh, and uh, I'm I'm getting there. It's uh, We're not quite ready for the US Open, uh, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a lot better than I was. So I go out in the course, I shoot 44 in the front nine, which is about what I shoot. I shoot in the high 80s, low 90s. And then someone took over my body and I shot 39 on the back nine for an 83 lowest score I ever had. So I now consider Michael Block my good luck charm. That was really, really cool. Now, the next week I went out and shot 92 and get a, couldn't get out of a sand trap to save my life, but that's the way it goes. So I had to tell you that story, folks. You'll hear this a couple months after it happened. But uh, anyway, that's the way it goes. Well, uh, I want to also remind you one more thing before I get to my good friend Bob Spiel is that uh, September 7th to the 9th, if you are going to the California Dental Association Convention, which will be this year in San Jose, uh, I will be speaking. Um, I quite frankly, I'm not sure what topic it is on yet. They're going to let me know, but I am. I have my plane ticket and I will be speaking and I will uh, get to see all my friends up in Northern California. So make sure you do that. And I've got some more speaking things that will be coming up here later this year that I'll let you know as we get them on the calendar. Be sure to check out our new I'd Bailey podcast, Ebb and Flow, a business podcast providing inspired insight on issues and trends the middle market faces. Hear unique business stories, get answers to frequently asked and unasked questions, and understand business topics that matter to you. Available now on your favorite podcast platform. So let's get to my guest, my good friend, Bob Spiel. Bob is uh, the president of Spiel Con um, Consulting, as well as Dental Partner Pros. Uh, Bob is a, an amazing dental coach. He and I work, uh, we've worked specifically on one large practice in the Southwest for, oh God, 10, 15 years. And uh, just the stuff that he's done is just magical. That's all I can tell you. 
And one of Bob's passions is helping dentists to find a match of an associate and maybe have a partnership. And and, and there's a lot more involved in that. So we're going to talk about, you know, why do you bring on an associate? When do you bring on an associate? How do you get the dental team involved? You don't just walk in one day and start your day at eight o'clock and at the morning huddle at 745 say, hey, by the way, here's Dr. Smith, our new associate. Let's get him. Let's make him feel welcome. It doesn't quite work that way. Uh, so we're going to get into partnerships and, uh, you know, buy-ins and buyouts and all that stuff. So Bob Spiel, my good friend, how you doing today? Welcome to the Art of Dental Finance and Management. Thank you, Art. I'm doing excellent. Glad to hear it. Glad love, to hear love, it. Your, love your golf story. That's why golf is so addicting. Because you have that one shot or that one game, and you think, man, I want to do that again, and it takes you 10 times to do it once more. Oh, I'm telling you, it, it is. And I know you're, you're, you're a, you, you have the same addiction that I do. And uh, the only thing other than getting to Augusta National um, that I have not accomplished in my life is a hole-in-one. A couple of weeks ago, I was on the course Monarch Beach Golf Links in, here in Newport Coast, and uh, I put a seven iron really close, but haven't gotten that hole in one yet, but I'll get there before uh, before they call my number. So um, you and I will have to get out and uh, uh, that'd be know, a blast. Have yeah, a day with a it. little white ball and uh, with dimples. So, hey, so, Bob, tell us a little bit about your professional journey. You bet, Art. It, it's a crazy journey to be very candid with you. They say that there are two ways you get into dentistry. Either dentistry finds you or you find it. And I was consulting in medicine when dentistry found me. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. My background. Yeah, it's 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 so just really uh, circuitous. My path here. Wait, wait. You I can't actually you can't a, use you can't use a word like that on my podcast. That's, okay. If I can't pronounce the word and I can't spell the word, you can't use it. Remember, I told you we don't do bad language. No, that's all right. Go ahead. So well, it was circuitous. It wasn't a it wasn't a four letter word. Okay, let's put it that way, man. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. It was a multi letter word. And um, that's why. I'm yeah. Following. Talk talk about just just crazy. I was actually a hospital and surgical center CEO back in the early two thousands. Fell into healthcare. I have an MBA. I, I got that about 35 years ago, and I worked in private industry back in the 90s. And there, uh, my passion art has always been leadership and team building from the very beginning. All right. When I first started in industry back when I was in my 20s, running actually a, a walnut orchard in Northern California oh, wow. and had like 20 guys work for me. And I was 25 years old. I was the youngest guy there. Okay. And I learned a ton, but always leadership, always team building, just because I've just seen over and over again that as goes the leadership team, so goes the business. As goes, I say now, as goes the partnership, so goes the practice. And so I I, I was really, really frustrated with medicine because, you know, it's a very linear model today. It's all about volume, billing, and collections. Customer service doesn't matter. Patient service doesn't matter. Leadership doesn't matter. Teamwork doesn't matter. And I just happened to be invited to go on a, a consult with a friend of a friend who's a dental consultant, a guy named Larry Winterstein, who had been consulting for some 30 years. And I saw in two days through his eyes what dentistry is all about. And I fell in love with it. Shifted my entire, because at the time I was consulting in in medicine, shifted my entire practice in six months' time. And I dabble once in a while still with medical practices, but 90% of what I do is in dentistry, and I love it. I mean, these it's, are some it, of the most wonderful, kind human beings are. you're ever going to meet. I I know that I have had the, the privilege of referring some patients to some people that I know in Orange County. And when you listen to them... Talk about what they do. You know, I got uh, uh, I, I had the opportunity. You know, Dr. Leanne Brady at the Panky mm-hmm. Institute. Yeah, yeah. You I bet. mean, I mean, I got I got to listen to Leanne at our dental CPA meeting in Scottsdale a couple of weeks ago from the Academy of Dental CPAs. And first thing she said is, "I love what I do." Don't you love dealing with people like that? Mm-hmm. You do. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's terrific. And and one thing that I that I found over the years is in medicine we do a lot to save lives. But the coolest thing about dentistry is, or one of the coolest things, is we get to change lives. Dentists get to change lives all the time. Yep. 
And and uh, for the right person, I, I, I think this is the greatest small business in the entire world. Uh, I've been able to speak in almost every major meeting. I'm actually on the faculty with for Dr. Gordon Christensen, who's the godfather of dentistry. I, I've heard of uh, him. Yes, I give a course every year for him on leadership and team building and yeah. just feel really, really lucky. I have to pinch myself every morning to to say, you know what, I actually get to do something today that 95% of the time, it's just plain fun. Well, that's that's the idea, right? So Yeah. So, so you've been a dental coach for how long? 15 years. 15 years. Yeah. And then you got into this whole area of associateships and partnerships. Mm-hmm. How did that happen? Well, it was always an interest of mine, again, because leadership and team building is a passion. But you'll remember Linda Miles. Uh, I don't remember her. I I know Linda. She's one of my favorite human beings on the planet. I love Linda. She's one of mine as well. I love Linda. I got to meet her back in 2008 just as I was walking into dentistry. Larry encouraged me to go to meet her at a ADMC (laughs) reception in San Antonio. And just happened to have an opening when she was the belle of the ball at the time. She's now semi-retired. But at the time, Linda was like the female pope. Okay. Yep. Uh, yep. And um, there was. I, just I, I, a, would, I wouldn't even say female. She was the pope. She, she was, was the, the yes, person was. in dentistry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She, I, I call her the godmother of dentistry. <laughs> and and I just had an opening and, and I had 20 seconds of courage, went up, stuck my hand out and said, Linda, my name is Bob Spiel. Larry Winterstein said I should meet you. And somehow the waters parted our, we talked for 30 minutes and became fast friends. So fast forward, two years later, we're having a phone call and she just said to me off the cuff, you know, Bob, dentistry has a 75% failure rate in placing associates. And Art, I had to pick my jaw off the floor and then say, because I've hired over a thousand people in my career, in other lives and in other things. And I said, how, how can that be? I mean, you don't even see that failure rate in medicine, let alone why in dentistry? And, and she frankly said, nobody knows. It's just how it always has been for decades. Well, I, I kind of put my thinking cap on and realized a lot of the things we'll talk about today in terms of why this happens and also what we can do to prevent it. But the fundamental thing is that the the partnership, this this relationship between the dentist lays the foundation for the whole practice, as you see all the time in your CPA work, all right? And if it's tight and cohesive, just like our clients that we get to work with together, magic happens. And even when there are problems, they motor through them and they can just continue to succeed. But when the partnership has stress in it or when like a father-son combination that we talked to a few months ago actually begin to hate each other, everything just starts to get harder. The stress levels go up. It's no longer fun. Sadly, eventually, there are a lot of dental divorces that happen is what we call them when partnerships or associateships dissolve. And candidly, it doesn't have to be. But we're going to make it so that the people that are listening to this podcast can do it right. And if they haven't done it right, maybe they can fix it or maybe they don't fix it. I guess that's another option. But let's start talking about the the when and the why. Okay, Mm -hmm. so you're a dentist, Bob. you got a great practice. You're busy. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, you you can't keep up. You're booked out. And we'll talk about how far you should be booked out. Yeah. And all that stuff. Okay, so why should you hire an associate and when should you hire an associate? Let's get let's start with that. Great. Why? To put it simply, there's only one of you. And and it's it's if you're producing, you're chairside. And very successful practices as you see time and time again reach plateaus. And once you hit that plateau, but when it's a great doctor who has a lot of enthusiastic patients who really love them, they keep telling friends, they keep showing up. And then what happens is the first indicator art actually is more emotional than it is numeric. 
This is the doctor then that gets on the proverbial treadmill and they start to find themselves under more and more emotional stress. And I'm not talking about the occasional stress, but this stress now wakes them up in the middle of the night and they can't leave it alone and they start to work harder and run faster. They don't have lunches. They're coming in earlier. They're working later. They start to work Fridays. And as we all know, this is this is a full contact sport. Yeah. Dentistry is is taxing emotionally, spiritually, physically, and mentally. And if you don't have time off, man, Covey's principle about sharpen the saw really starts to come into effect. So emotionally, you start to power down. Then you start to practice what I call drive-by dentistry, which is you, you do an exam and you think, do I really need to talk about this right now? And do they really need it right now? Or can it wait six months? Or do I even have room in my schedule to bring it up? So right. then their production levels plateau. They get booked out, not just weeks, but months. Okay. And then they just start going through the motions. And there's this sense of, I hate my life. It's not that I hate my profession, but I start to hate my life. And that's what gets me most excited about this whole thing is, is how do we start to get dentists' life back to them so they can well, love what they do once more. And there's two things. Okay, number one, and we're not going down this road today. Mm -hmm. On top of everything that you just said, then we have the dentist where 70% of his or her practice are PPOs giving 40 to 50% discounts. So that exactly. makes the stress, financial stress even more and more on the treadmill about what you said. Number two is they start neglecting their friends and their family. And mm -hmm. that is where it really starts falling apart. So, so yeah. what we really yeah. want to do is we really want to get to the root of this. Okay. So, so we talk about the why, when, when do you think a dentist is ready to start bringing an associate on it. And that, that has to do with schedule and all this It, it stuff. does. And, and, and what, what my partner and I call is we, we, we look for a practice and a practice. And, and basically what they should be looking for is are they producing over 100 to 120,000 a month by themselves? Right. Do they have over 1,900 active patients? And I'm thinking if this is a solo doc, multiply this if this is a group practice. Sure. And are they seeing 25 to 50 new patients a month? I mean, 1,900 active patients is, that is a lot. Twenty-five. A lot. To, I mean, 25 to 50 new patients. And I remember when I was back as part of Pride back in the 80s. Sure. And they used to say 12 to 18 new patients is a good place you want to be. But 25 mm -hmm. to 50. And again, if these are all patients, and I'm, I'm going to get on my soapbox, Bob, about PPOs and insurance companies. I mean, the IRS, uh, IRS, I'll be all right. The ADA statistics said one out of six dentists are going to be resigning from one or more insurance plans this year. So I think the dentists I'm are starting a to huge figure wave out, out they are. the deal. Yep. But, yes. but if you're, yeah, and you're so busy and you're getting these patients and you're getting 60% of UCR and you're you're charging $70 for a profi and you're paying your hygiene 65. It doesn't work. So it doesn't. No, uh, you know, it, it, so, exactly. So this then this creates what I call the patient revolving door. Right. Where, where you're just so busy that you're on the treadmill, but the patients are coming in and leaving just as fast. So when do you bring on an associate? When do you, you start to say what I call it is when are you ready to bring on a wingman or wing woman is at that moment when you realize I'm too busy. Right. And I've got to do something about it or else my practice is actually going to start to tip backwards. Okay. No, I'm too busy. Yeah. So is, yeah, is that a, too busy? Now, too busy could mean I'm two weeks booked. Too busy could mean I'm eight weeks booked, right? There's no firm. I mean, I've heard the rule four or five weeks out. And we're not talking, I have two patients four weeks now. We're talking about, I can't get an appointment with Dr. Spiel for four exactly. weeks solid. Is, is <laughs> that what we're talking about? Yes, or or six or eight weeks out. One client that I worked with, frankly, was booked out five months. I mean, that was way too late yeah. Yeah, for him. He should have done this two years earlier. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we decide. We decide, Bob. And again, this is a half a day course that we're teaching here in about an hour. So right. let, let's start off with. Okay, we've decided we need somebody, and and that's the key, mm -hmm. doctors. Your body and your mind is going to tell you. I need help. So exactly. once you figure that one out, so what kind of characteristics personally and clinically 
are we looking for an associate candidate? So someone comes to you and says, all right, Bob, help me out here. Find me the, find me, find me a winner. Mm-hmm. What are we looking for? Mm-hmm. That's, that's probably the most important question of all art and okay. where we fail the most, to be honest with you. Because let me circle back to a second with this conversation with Linda Miles and her statement, we don't know why. What I discovered as I really thought through was, and and the light bulbs went off, was this isn't a business relationship. This is not like two people getting into a partnership in in a standard traditional business. This is the closest thing to a marriage besides a real marriage. Because Dennis as you know, are in each other's sandbox all day long. Yep. They share the same patients. They share the same staff. They're in the same space. Consider it like two executive chefs that are in the very same kitchen. And if, if the synergy isn't there, things can become explosive really fast. So what's important when you think about this and where we have failed candidly is we haven't been clear enough about who will succeed in this environment. Right. Okay. And so... What we do is arrive at what we call the avatar of the ideal candidate. Who's going to fit in this culture and who's going to not duplicate my personality style, but complement my personality style. Okay. Okay. And then do they have the same values? Essentially the same values. Do they have the same views of how you handle money and what you do with money? Okay. And then do they have the proper dental experience to be able to meet the needs that you have. And this is one of the the mistakes, frankly, that a lot of solo doctors have is that they think I need somebody that has one or two years of experience. And I won't consider anybody who doesn't have that when really what they should be looking for is somebody who's hungry and humble, somebody who's gotten really good marks in school but who matches their culture and can complement them as a clinician. That's the person that they can grow and mentor and really have an exciting relationship for years to come after that. Because that person is kind of, it's like a fresh ball of clay. Nobody Mm -hmm. has molded it yet. And you, the senior doctor, can take that fresh ball of clay and turn it into exactly what you're looking for. But a lot of dentists probably don't know what, to turn that ball of clay into, right? That's correct. They don't. Yeah. Once again, it's it's about being really intentional about not only what do they need to look like, but how am I going to get them busy and what type of work do I want them to do to start with? Those are questions that frankly can be answered in about an hour. But what they do is they then empower you to be able to know who am I looking for and what are they going to do for me? And with those answers in hand, you can now start to do some really active searching. But without those questions, it's no wonder those answers, it's no wonder we have a 75% failure rate because we're looking for somebody who has a pulse and a license. Right, right. And that's not what we're looking for. So I, I mean, I know you can do for. disc test personality testing. I'm sure you do all of that. <laughs> we do um, that, yes. Uh, okay. So now we've we've figured out what kind of an associate. Uh, that we have, and you go looking for them. I mean, there's lots of, I mean, there's 200,000 dentists in the United States. Not all of them are looking to be an associate in your town. So you start searching for them and you find candidates. And then do you start the process, Bob, with a, you have them meet the doctor right away, come see the office. How do, how do you do this? Well, it depends. For For my firm, we vet the candidates up front and we take them through what I call a funnel. Either they match the characteristic or not. If they keep matching, then we reach a point after interviews and after behavioral assessments and checking references, then we make an introduction to the doctor. Okay, okay. so there's got to be, if, and, and, and a lot of them, a lot of the doctors, they just send out you know an advertisement and they mm-hmm. have them come right in and they don't check them out. They don't look on the internet. And that's correct. I'm sure you, you look at their- uh, and, and, they, you know, and they haven't interviewed them well. They're just yeah. looking to see if, if how does the energy feel? Right. Yeah, exactly. And that's not the way you want to get more into. So mm-hmm. personality testing, checking mm-hmm. references. Uh, I mean, I'm sure you're checking on the Internet, 
maybe check their social media. I mean, you know, I have told I've told my boys, I say, you know, if down the road you want to apply for a job, don't do any stupid stuff on social media. And my boys don't do any stupid mm-hmm. stuff on social media, but there are a lot of people that do. So you got to watch that mm-hmm. too. So, okay. So yeah. let's say we find that associate. We find, we narrow it down and, and you say, you know, Dr. Wiederman, I, I think Dr. Smith is the person. I think, I think I like this one. And, and and I agree. So we we bring them on. So there's got to be some sort of an associate agreement, discuss with the associates. So I mean, we're going to get an attorney involved, obviously, on both sides. And 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 so what are we what are we telling the? Are, are we getting into the the meat of just okay? You're just going to start working, and we'll see how it goes, and I'll talk to you in six months. Or do we get into some discussions early about where this thing is going? What what do you do with that? That's a great question. Dentists know almost intuitively that it's easier to set expectations up front than try to reset them after the fact. And so there's this phrase in the industry that's been used for years, inform before you perform. It's the very same thing. When you have that candidate and you're really excited about them and you feel like they meet your criteria, the associate agreement should clearly set expectations up front. And not just those hygiene expectations, if I can use that, regarding pay and hours and time and things like that, minimum guarantees, et cetera, but also areas like non-compete, non-solicit, malpractice insurance, et cetera. And is there an opportunity down the road for partnership? Yeah. So how deep into that do you get right up front? Do you say, we're going to offer you a 25% partnership in 12? It's just kind of... We're no. gonna we're we're gonna have this conversation six months from now and see how everything goes. That's exactly right. With okay. certain targets in place, because that's one of the cool things we can do in dentistry is we can measure a lot of what happens. So, so you're gonna set a target for maybe production and maybe mm-hmm. some educational mm-hmm. goals, and you exactly. want them to go learn sleep dentistry or or placing implant or whatever it's yeah, gonna be or digital dentistry, whatever it is. Yes. Yeah. Okay. okay. Set those expectations early up front and then use the associate agreement art actually as a vehicle to provide feedback. That's one of the things that we fail in. We bring these candidates in and then to your point, we'll talk in six months. Instead, one of the things that I learned in medicine that I think has a lot of application to dentistry, there's tons of informal mentoring that goes on, but also formal mentoring. Okay, I'm an advocate of what I call chart reviews where monthly you get together and you go through the good, the bad, and the ugly. And you each do it together because one of the other areas that causes partnerships and associates to break down is they don't trust each other's dentistry. Oh, that's huge. I mean, that's, I mean, now you don't make them bring study models in before they, uh, no, but, but just, just do a beginning to end, make it a case study. This is how the patient presented. This is their chief complaint. This is what the radiograph showed. The interaural photo showed. This is what I did. This was the outcome. And talk about one that you're really proud of. You think, man, I nailed this. And then one that surprised you. And then one that just plain out fooled you. That's the, that's the ugly. Because it's all about trying to learn, okay? And and we want to get really good at failing fast so we continue to learn and get better. Okay. So let's talk about the dental team. Because like I said, you don't just bring an associate in Monday morning at 745 in the morning huddle and say- Although, although there oh, are dentists that will do that. I I. I I know that all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know that all day long, and we're not doing that on this on this no, uh, conversation. So, um, when do you get the dental team involved, and what do they do? Do they interview the associate? Do they? I mean, I remember when I ran my CPA firm, I had three wonderful, wonderful women: Pam Chamberlain, Debbie Sanders, and Raquel Goyette. Raquel, God bless her, just retired a couple of weeks ago. Worked for me for over thirty years. And um, I wouldn't hire anybody without all three of them talking to this person. And, you know, they 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 had the you know what meter, which was a lot better than mine because I'm exactly. a nice guy like you're a nice guy. So wh- yeah. what do you do as far as the team? When, when do you get them? When do you tell them? I mean, do you have the dentist get up at a team meeting one day and say, you know, guys, I think it's time for us to start looking at an associate. What, how do you do all of this and how do you get them involved? The answer to all that is yes. <laughs> and, you, and you get them involved early. Okay. Remember, we talked about setting the criteria, establishing who's going to fit in this culture and, and what are those characteristics. 
when we work with client, we'll actually go on site and interview the whole team and come up with this list and then present that to both the doctor and the team so that everybody feels like they've been involved. I mean, you're exactly right, Art, with the three folks that you had around you. You've got to involve the team because in the end, the team is going to be vital for this associate's success. If the team hasn't bought off on this person, this person is not going to succeed. But if the team likes them and believes in them and wants to mentor them, virtually nothing is going to lead for their failure. So start them early, keep them involved, have them interview, have them know in the end they don't have veto power, but their opinions really, really matter. And you want to know what they think and why. Absolutely. No, I agree with that. So at this point, Bob, talk a little bit about what you do. I know that that one of the things you, I mean, you're you're a dental coach and you go in and work mm-hmm. with how many offices have you worked in in 15 years? Hundreds. In the hundreds, probably. Yeah. 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 Between and, speaking and working with, yes. Yeah. So th- the thing is, is that tell tell us about your coaching business a little bit, and then talk about um, talk about dental partner pros. And what you do, how you do it, and then we'll let folks uh, have your phone number and contact information and get a hold sure. of you. And, and let me just, <clears throat> we're going to have to do something about this name because it's Dentist Partner Pros. Okay. Okay. So it's Dentist Partner Pros. And, you know, what do we do? Two things. Expert practice management services really designed to help dentists learn how to do more in less time with less stress and how to lead their teams effectively so that they can get their life back. But for those that are ultra successful or at a phase in their career where they know that they need to bring in somebody else, what Dentist Partner Pros does is that we become the specialists to be able to take this problem off their hands because we've estimated that this whole process, if done right, takes about 175 hours and nobody has that amount of time okay so we're just ready fire aim type mentality where the whole thing dennis partner pros does is that we ready aim fire we go through the whole process and help the dentist know and have the confidence and the team know and have the confidence that this person is the right person and the doctor's got to have the mentality to say you know, this is like the biggest decision other than me with my spouse and yeah. or significant other. And and if yeah. they don't have that, then it's probably not going to work. So, Bob, how can someone get a hold of you? And we'll put this in the show notes also for yeah. when we uh, put this out, which will probably be, I think, in July. I have to check the schedule. Sure. Um, go yeah. ahead. Easiest way to get a hold of me two ways. One is just my email, bob at dentistpartnerpros, or my my cell phone number is 208-520-6900. Okay. And, and we'll, I, uh, I'd, be ha- I'd be happy for either one. If, and and Art, even if somebody just asked the question, is now the time, am I at a point where I really could entertain this? Because sometimes, as you know, practices, practice owners feel like, man, I've never been busier in my life. But it isn't because they really need an associate. It's more because they haven't learned how to play the game of dentistry well. Yeah. Okay. But there are also those that, that just like my partner today, had a conversation with a doctor who is the quintessential owner who now doesn't have lunch, is coming in early, stays late, comes in on Fridays, and he's just burning the midnight oil. But he's hesitant to do something because of all the horror stories that he's heard about how bad associateships can be. Because what we've estimated, frankly, is if you do it wrong, it's about a hundred dollars to $200,000 cost. Yeah. If you add up everything, including just not their time, but doing it over again and all the rework and the loss of rapport and the loss of patience, et cetera. But if you do it right, it's magical. Yeah. You know, I, I helped a dentist in, in – um, Sun City West, a year and a half ago, who was in that same mode of being busier than he's ever been, loving what he does, but having no time for family or friends or really for himself, finally reached a point 
saying, I give, I just, I have to do something. And we found the exact right person for him, even though he thought he had the right person in one of his best friends from dental school, which by the way, is one of the mistakes that can happen very often yeah. <laughs> is you bring in a friend. I had to be, by the way, the guy that tell the friend, you're not a good fit. Sorry, go into private practice on your own, but don't plan on being a partner. But we found the right guy and our, he produced over a million bucks in his first year. That's unbelievable. And this is somebody who'd been out, he'd been out two years. But with the right mentoring and the right encouragement, the right situation, man, the guy just took off. Yeah. So what you're saying, Bob, is get somebody, get, if you got two guys in dental school and they got into fistfights in the schoolyard, those are the, those are the ones we could get together, right? Not the best (laughs) friends. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, So so that's how you get in touch with me. And we'd love to talk to anybody who's got questions. Okay. No, no. And guys, I've, uh, as you know, for those of you who've listened to this podcast for coming up on five years, um, I don't bring schlock artists. Uh, that was a word I learned from my, uh, from my mother in Brooklyn, schlock artists. I don't bring schlock artists onto this podcast. Bob is, Bob is ethical and as good as it gets. And if you, if, if you're looking to, to, if you're having those thoughts and, and you're going home and you're saying, I'm, I'm on the, I'm on the treadmill, I can't get off of it. My family's suffering. My my health is suffering. Mm-hmm. I'm not having fun. I'm not loving dentistry the way I did the day I graduated from dental school. Just give him a call and talk to him. He'll talk to you all day long, and uh, he'll probably even talk to you about golf too. So, but anyway, all right. So let's get into that. So, and again, unfortunately, we have less than an hour to do all of this, Bob. Yes. All yes, right. So now do. we got the associate associates working, and it's working out really well. They they've listened to you. They follow your advice. Associates producing, dental team loves the associate, patients love the associate, practice is growing, the 25 to 50 new patients are being serviced well. Okay, so now, all right, we, we're there three to six months. Okay, so when do we start talking about partnership and and, and what do you suggest? I have my own ideas, which I'm going to share, mm-hmm. but obviously sure. you're, you're the expert. Okay, so it's time to talk about, you know, tying the knot go into the ceremony, getting married, whatever you want to call it. How do we do this? Let's, let's start that discussion. Yes, because that's the goal, ultimately. It, it, for our firm, we're trying to find partner-level associates who then will fit, produce, make money. And, and it's almost like natural attraction that the owner-doctor says, you know what, I really want this person to be a part of my deal. Right. But the question is, how much is really one of those answers that all depends. It all depends what your goals are as an owner, what your lifelong plan is, where are you in your cycle. But it's got to be enough to have it feel significant to this associate. Yeah. But it can't be so much that you feel like you're giving it all away at the same time. Okay. Yeah. So there's a lot of discussions that happen at this phase of the game in regards to how much do you really want to do? I suppose the best answer that I'd give is in thinking about partnership, it needs to be more of a discussion about what does this person bring to the table and how can they contribute to the long-term health of this business as opposed to just a financial uh, transaction, Okay. Right. I like to say somewhere between 20 to 30 to start with yeah, and right. then let them grow into the 50% part. But that is not automatic and it's not overnight. So doctors, doctors, I want to point out a couple things. When you're looking at a partnership, because Bob has 15 years experience in this, I have a lot of experience in this. You're talking about two separate and distinct things. First, you're talking about ownership of the rock, how much of the goodwill and hard assets, the, the value of the practice are you going to buy? And I agree with Bob, 20 to 30, I like 25% for a young doctor to start off with, because number one, if that doctor Bob has been there for six months or nine months, they're not producing enough dentistry, notwithstanding your 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 dentist that exactly. did a million bucks in the first year. That's the, that's the exception rather than that's the rule. That's the exception. They're, they're not producing enough dentistry to be able to afford that buy-in of 50% right. of that right. practice. So 25% no. is 
it, it, it gets them a piece of the rock. It gets them the covenant not to compete. So, they can, so they're not going to go down the street and open up because that's another fear that doctors have. I hire an associate and after a year, they're going to go take all my patients, go down the street. Well, if we get them as a partner, no matter what, in most states, and I'm not a lawyer, they're not going to be, they're going to sign a covenant not to compete and they're not going to be able to go down the street because right. they paid for something. Um, so, so that's the first thing is now, again, uh, you know, if you're a doctor who wants to retire in a year and you want to bring on a partner and then sell it, you might not even want to go to the partnership, the right? You just go yeah, sell. Yeah. Thing, you just right? do a barn door. Yes. You just do a barn door. Okay. So now the other thing we have to talk about, Bob, is we talked about how much of the, uh, how much of it's going to sell. So let's say we got a practice that's doing a million three and let's say it's worth a million bucks and we sell 25% of it. A $250,000 purchase is very doable. It's mm-hmm. it's a nice bite-sized chunk. Um, most of the banks will not finance that because they want to get a, a lien on the whole practice. So a lot of times the, the senior doctor will be the bank with the junior doctor maybe making a down payment. You see a lot of that, right? Right. right. Mm-hmm. And, then, sure and then so we have that. So then we have to decide, Bob, how do we split profits? And I have a couple ideas. And again, you know, we, we only had a certain amount of time, but but what are some right. of the most common ways you see doctors who go into partnership splitting profits? The most common way that I see it is the eat what you shoot model. Right. With it with a set percentage, usually somewhere between 30 to 35 that goes to right. both partners for the collections that they generate. Right. And then after that everything's paid for. And then the profits that are left after that are split based upon ownership percentages. And, and that is exactly, there's a reason that you're on my podcast because you and I think alike. <laughs> that's exactly, that is when I, when someone comes to me to structure something like that, that's exactly what we do. There's a portion that involves, you're going to get paid a percentage of your sweat equity, your, your work and all this stuff. And if you can outproduce the other doctor, um, mm-hmm. Power to you. That's great. And then the rest of it is an equity part. You are getting the profits of a business, just like a dividend. If you're getting exactly. stock dividend, yeah. So, so that's the way uh, that we do that, and that seems and to work pretty, pretty darn well. So, one question. So, Art, let, let me go ahead. Sorry no, to interrupt. Go, go, but let go, me just please, put it this no, way. Please do. Here's here's a rule of thumb that I'm just trying to 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 create this this tension between uh, it's all mine or it's all ours. Okay, yep. and you're trying to find that that Goldilocks zone in the middle where you're rewarded for your work very well, but at the same time there's enough in the end that you want to play together nicely. Right. And that's that's the goal. Now, a couple things, Bob, that I want to point out here, and this might come into the mistakes you've seen, but which we'll talk about in a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I get the doctor that goes, okay, I'm going to get four hundred thousand or two hundred fifty thousand dollars for a buy-in, but I can't take a cut in income. Doesn't work that way, right? Right. So we have to convince the senior doctor, senior doctor, you're giving, you're getting a check, which we want you to use to reduce debt, fund retirement, whatever it is going to do to accomplish your financial goals. But in exchange for that, that junior doctor is going to expect to make more than he or she is making as an associate, because why would they write you a check for two hundred fifty thousand dollars? If they're not going to make more money, right? Correct. Correct. And, and do you see that a lot where the senior doctors say, well, I can't take a cut in income. I got all these obligations, right? It happens. And it's one of the ways that things start to fall apart. Yeah. So, yeah. So- yeah. You, because the, the key here really is to view it from a, an abundance mentality with the reality. If we grow this together, it's going to be bigger than both of us. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's it's really the psychology. And, and what about, okay, so so do we talk about, let's say that associate's been there for six months or 12 months, and they just really killed it. They, they did a great job. Patients love them. Team loves them. Mm-hmm. Do we talk to the senior doctor about giving, I mean, we get the practice appraised, right? Right. That's, exactly. That's part of, mm-hmm. part of what you do. And, and actually, and it's not art. Oh, you bring I, it in I, outside. I sub that out because I view the conflict of interest. So okay. I sub that out. But okay. yeah, but so you, you bring, do get it appraised. So you bring a professional dental appraiser and who's done this hundreds of times and they come up mm-hmm. with a number. Do we talk about giving the junior doctor any kind of a break for any kind of goodwill or sweat equity that he or she has earned? How to talk about that for yes. a little bit? 
Yes, I do. To me, the fairest way to do it is to appraise the practice at the time of buy-in, or, or let me put it this way, appraise the practice at the time the associate joins, and then appraise the practice at the time of, of their buy-in and split it in half. Okay. That seems to reward the senior doctor for all they've invested into that associate, but also rewards the junior doctor for the sweat equity that they've created. It strikes a good balance between both. All right. And I like I, that's that's my recommended way of doing it. No, that that's why that's why you're uh, you're the expert on this. So how do we get the dental team, who in mm-hmm. many cases might be in their forties, fifties, and sixties, mm-hmm. to respect the junior doctor as an owner? And that junior doctor could be thirty-two years old, right? Oh yeah. And in many well, cases, is yes. how do we how do we do that? How do we how because. Again, well, wait a minute. I've been working for Dr. Spiel, you know, for 30 years, and now I'm not going to listen to you. What do you know? Mm-hmm. How, how do we get around that? Let me just tell you a quick story, and then I'll dive please. right into it. Please, please. Might and being from Southern California, this this may resonate with you. My dad was a Navy veteran for 30 years, served in the submarines back in World War II. And there was a brief time in my life that I thought I was going to make a career of the military. And one of the things that, that dad said to me was, Bob, if you really are serious about this and you become an ensign and you're on your very first ship, you need to find a warrant officer who essentially, in, in, in layman's terms, is a crew boss. Okay, a very senior level crew boss for the enlisted guys. Sit down with this individual one-on-one and say, I know I'm green. I know I'm young. I need a mentor. Can I ask you to help me behind closed doors? Yeah. Okay. So why do I put it that way? I think it's really important for A, the associate to come in with this sense of both humility and hunger for what they're doing. And it's important for the practice to bring in the most senior assistants to work with this person, to be able to help them learn, not just about equipment and supplies, but also techniques and skills that will allow them to continue to lift their abilities further and further and further. But that's why I say you bring the team into the process early because this is where the rubber hits the road. They have to essentially, when this person joins, when the associate joins, want to like them and back them and give them the benefit of the doubt. Then it's up to the associate from there to start to prove to them that you can trust me. I'm not here to be everybody's best friend, but I'm here to be taught and mentored and I'm here to do my very best work. And then also have a system where the associate can actually be mentored by the assistants, for instance. I love to have table clinics with this new doctor, with the assistants who will come in and kind of train for the first month or two on all their supplies and all their equipment and all the way they do things. So there's this collegial relationship that is established between the two of them. Because if they view this doctor as someone who is really trying hard and learning, and if they already figured out, I like this person to start with because of all the work that's happened to bring them in, the chances are really, really high art that this team is going to continue to back them, lift them, and if and when mistakes happen, forgive them. Yeah. Yeah. And, okay. and the, th- the thing is, is that, too, I've seen junior doctors because I talk to teams all the time about this kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And I see the junior doctors coming in and trying to boss the team around and take over because I am a dentist. I'm a doctor. I am a do- I'm a doctor and I've earned this mm-hmm. and I've earned this right. And you're mm-hmm. not. And that's got to be something up front when you're talking to this associate that you just beat into them that, listen, if you start trying to be the boss and you start trying to tell them what to do and you start being arrogant and, and have an attitude, you're going to fail. I mean, I'm sure you tell them Quickly. that pretty straight up. Yes. 
We do. We do. Yeah. Because, yeah, and that's why I told the story about my dad and, you know, getting a warrant officer to be your mentor. Because literally, the fact that you have a license, as Gordon Christensen put it, for the first five years, I realized afterwards I was dangerous. Yeah. All it means is you now have the right to get into that operatory and now start your career. Right. But there's right. so much that you don't know. And and if to your point, if you come in with this this idea that I'm now the dentist and so you've got to do it my way, that team will cut you off at the knees and they will not support you. So there's this this relationship, this synergistic relationship that has to happen between the new doctor and the team and is as much dependent upon the new doctor as it is the team. But if they both come at it from a really positive standpoint and then the senior doctor is backing the new doctor as well and mentoring actively, it creates this wonderful synergistic relationship where everything just gets better. Where that doesn't happen it becomes really hard and eventually the relationship ends. So maybe that leads us into the final topic. And, you know, I love talking yeah. to you, man. You, you're just a, it's just, I could talk like this for hours, but I, I should just do it's a good. podcast that so goes fun. on 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But <laughs> that means I don't get out on the golf course or on the fly fishing stream that the, or, or, or get to watch the NBA finals, which are two months over once this thing records. Exactly. What yes. are the biggest mistakes you've seen in associateships and partnerships? Again, that's a whole nother podcast, but but maybe lay out two or three things that you see like doctors, if you're going to do this, don't do A, B, C, and D. Yes. Or A, B, and C. That's three. Okay. Yep. Yep. In these relationships, thinking again that this is like a marriage, number one is a failure to communicate. And by that, really being able to share what's going on and what you're thinking, because dentists typically are so prone to avoid conflict, which means they don't like to have tough conversations or provide feedback. And you've got to overcome that innate, almost uh, style point, the saying, oh, man, conflict is bad. Instead, it's creating discussion and conversation. And if you have to debate, but that's the number one point that causes most failure is failure to communicate. And then wedges get stuck in the relationship and eventually the relationship will fall apart. I think number two is, frankly, not bringing in somebody who's going to complement your style, where you've got styles that either are too much the same or conflict with each other. So we're a huge believer in DISC. I think DISC is one of the greatest personality style guides out there, and we use it all the time to know about you and your team, how you show up, and who's actually going to help you get be a better version of yourself than a worse version of yourself. And then dishonesty, candidly, sadly, but it happens. That destroys relationships quickly. And not learning how to trust each other's dentistry. And that, frankly, is a matter of are both dentists competent and confident with what they do? Okay. How do you prevent those things up front, Art? And I think, honestly, the biggest mistake that I find, and this is why we have a 75% failure rate over and over again for decades for bringing in associates, is that people, doctors, try it alone. Yeah. And just like they soon learn after a few years in private practice, I'd rather send that root canal to a specialist because there are better things to do with my time. And if the mistakes happen, it's all on me. It's the same thing here. Bring in a specialist who knows what they're doing, who can take this problem off your hands and allow you to keep doing what you're doing well, but not be burdened by having to do it alone. So, Bob, that, that's great information. We got we covered a lot of topics in a short period of time. And, and doctors, I would encourage you and this should be something that you do in every part of your business. Okay. I mean, I I am not a social media expert. I am not an IT expert. I don't do cybersecurity. When I was in my own practice as a CPA for 33 years, what I don't know, I go out and hire. And and that's mm-hmm. what you got to do here. And, and we could be talking about all these different topics. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. in, in dentistry, there's so many things. 
and you will be better served. So um, I would encourage you, if you are thinking about going down the road and bringing in another doctor into your practice, or maybe you have one and you're thinking about bringing a second doctor in, I would encourage you to get Bob. So one more time, Bob, the name of your it's company is Dental Dentist, Partner, Den, Den, Dentist, Dentist Partner, Partner Pros. Pros. Dentist Partner Pros. And, and is that the Bob. website? Mm-hmm. Is it www. Yep. com. Yep, that's our okay. website. And Bob at dentistpartnerpros.com. And okay. Art, to your point about experts, let me just just throw one thing out there that we're really proud of is whereas the industry's had a seventy five percent failure rate, over ten years I've had a ninety percent success rate. Well, you know, 30% gets you into the Hall of Fame in baseball. So that's three times that. That's pretty good. Um, and and again, I, I you, you and I have had long conversations about this topic. And uh, I mean, it, it, the bottom line, doctors, is it requires a lot of conversation, a lot of communication, a lot of deep thought. And, you know, I, I'll come back, Bob, to the same thing <clears throat> that I've taught on this podcast and from a lecture mm-hmm. stage for almost 40 years is my 75% rule. 75% of any major decision you're going to make in your life, buy a business, bring on a partner, get married, buy a buy a business, buy a house, buy a mm-hmm. buy a set of golf clubs, which is the most important decision we all have to make, um, <laughs> is in your gut. And you know what? I mean, you could bring Bob Spiel and he can do all his magic and it is magic, right? And at the end of the day, if your gut says this isn't the right person, it's not the right person, But at the end of the day, it should feel like you go home and you say, you know what, this is going to be great. You know, and and, and I I come back again, people who have a positive attitude live eight years longer than people that have a negative attitude. And you want to have somebody who's got a positive attitude. So Bob Spiel, uh, again, what's your cell phone number again? 208-520-6900, Bob at dentist partnerpros, all one word.com. Okay. And thank you, Art. Awesome. I I love it, man. This is is great stuff. And and I love having, you know, friends like you in this industry. And I'm fortunate to say I get a lot of them. Hang with me as I take this out. Folks, again, thank you for the honor and the privilege of your time. I just love doing this. I mean, we got a lot of great stuff uh, coming up. Uh, You know, we've got uh, my next podcast I'm recording is with two of my favorite people, two wonderful young ladies who are sisters. And we're going to talk about what does the inside of your dental office need to look like, interior design and building your office. So we're going to get into all kinds of topics. We're going to get into topics about reducing your, you know, reducing PPOs in your practice. Bob and I are passionate about this. All my coach, all the people I know in this industry, it's just terrible. I mean, it's just terrible. So we, we gotta, we gotta have that conversation. Um, anyway, but, uh, if you are looking for a dental CPA, I would like to think that what we do at I'd Bailey is as good as it gets. If we don't have the answers, we know where to get them. And it's like anything else. If you're going to have a CPA, yeah, they know how to file your 1040. They know how to file your 1120 or your 1065. Uh, but as one my one of my good friends, uh, Bob Gray, who's uh, in our ADCPA group, uh, says, if your CPA doesn't know the difference between mesial and distal, maybe you need to find somebody else. And uh, I have to continuously look like that because I would not have been a good dentist, but uh, I I do kind of know what those definitions are. The point is, folks, is if you're looking for a dental CPA, we can help you at I'd Bailey. My phone number is 657-279-3243. My email is awiederman at idbailey.com. That's E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y. Shoot me an email. Give me a call. I love talking to dentists. I've done my whole career. Please go and look at our wonderful partner, Decisions in Dentistry magazine. Look at their website, www.decisionsindentistry.com. 140 continuing education courses at a very, very reasonable price. And watch us in the next. We'll be having some announcements coming out. Maybe I'm hoping before the end of the year to kind of tell you what I'm doing to work with them on the business side of dentistry and the magazine. It's one of the most well-respected magazines, if not the most well-respected uh, in the profession, www.decisionsanddentistry.com. Come see me at the CDA convention in San Jose, September 7th through the 9th. Look at the schedule. I'll be on there. 
Uh, I think it's a little early. They get them going a little later these days. And, um, you know, please tell your friends about our podcast. We have thousands and thousands of people who download these podcasts every month. I was at CDA and I had dozens of people come up and say, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for helping us. We're, we're here to help. And, and, and folks, um, that is my legacy. My legacy and Bob Spiel's legacy and all the people that I work with in this profession, our legacy is to help you to be successful. I will say this again, and if you guys are sick and tired of me saying this too bad, it's my podcast, I get to say it. You are not about fixing teeth. You are about a better life, a better uh, relationship, a better self-esteem, and that is what you help people with. And when I go and help a doctor retire in my transition business, and I talk to the senior doctor when they sign the contract, I say, doctor, think about the hundreds, if not thousands, probably thousands of people that you have changed their lives for the better. And please remember that that's what you're about. And what you do is such important work. And if you're not happy at it, you need to talk to somebody like Bob. You need to get some help in that area. And, and you really need to figure it out because life is too short to be stressed and upset. With that said, I will get off my soapbox and I will thank you again for listening to my podcast. And we will see you next time on The Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman, CPA. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. The Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast is produced by Ide Bailey in partnership with Art Wiederman, CPA, Decisions in Dentistry Magazine, and the Academy of Dental CPAs. For audience questions and feedback, email Art Wiederman, awiederman at idebailey.com. That's A-W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y.com. Or you may call Art at 657-279-3243.